Ready? Yeah, Daddy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Wither, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, Johnny Utah? Excited to be here. Utah, give me two. Give me two. And again, this is our second episode that listeners are hearing with us hanging out in person, live, and in living color. Again, since our first two episodes. That was the first time we, that was the last time we saw each other in real life because the year of COVID was upon us and we are vaxxed. We're healthy. We're here. So with us literally hanging out and it just being that joyful, just being in each other's presence and watching movies, we were like, why don't we record a podcast of some of the best quote unquote hangout movies? And you know, whatever that means, it can mean something different for everyone. But for us, it was kind of Movies that we either have watched together once or multiple times and really enjoyed like hanging out to or just something that, you know, you put on seen a lot. It's a hangout movie. It's easy. doesn't really ask a lot of you. We're broing out. That's that's basically what it is. They're seeing each other, uh, being each other's company, friendships, movies. That's kind of what this episode's about. It's just kind of like, what are the movies that you watch with friends, the ones that we've watched together, the ones that, that there's something special about just chilling, having some drinks and hanging out and enjoying the movie. Yeah. And in the, in the vein of growing out, like we're using that, you know, we're using that kind of playfully because as we, we decided to make this a shared list, like a, le- a collective list. So these aren't going to be surprises to us at all or anything, but we agreed on all of them. And as we're going through it, we're like, yeah, these are definitely movies, our version of hanging out, you know, and it's they're a lot of fun. We've seen them multiple times. And actually yesterday, I think we watched like three of them in a row as we were just hanging out and getting ready. And we're going to jump right into it. We're, just, we're doing these movies in chronological order. Our rules, quote unquote, were kind of, again, had to be movies that we have literally hung out to. And we tried not to pick movies with the same director too much because we're going to talk about this, but a lot of directors, that is kind of where they live, is in the Hangout movie, and they've done a lot of good ones. And then I had like three or four that were my ride-or-die Hangout movies, you the same, and then we had like five, four or five that we kind of agreed on collectively. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, but let's just jump right into the list. 1984's This is Spinal Tap, directed by the great Rob Reiner who's got to be one of the most eclectic directors out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, his run, like his first six movies are insane. Princess Bride, Stand By Me, A Few Good Men. It's all over the place and they all hit. You know, Rob Reiner, I love the guy. He hasn't maybe made like the best movies of his career in the past 10 years or so, but the dude gets a career pass for that first run. And his ability as an actor. Yeah, he's really good. He's a good actor. He's really like t- like Wolf of Wall Street. Um, he, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a guest star on a couple episodes of New Girl, which I'm a very big fan of that show. He's just really good at comedy. Yeah. He he really, I, he understands his place as an actor. And then I think with his movies, because even the ones that you just all listed, there's comedic elements in Princess Bride. Yeah. There's comedic elements in Stand By Me. And, and A Few Good Men. That movie's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and when, I mean, I'm serious. There are parts of it like, oh, liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, there are, there are parts of it that are funny. And then when Harry met Sally, of course. You're laughing at me. A Few Good Men has some hilarious moments in it. So the dialogue is great. I know it is. It's just I wouldn't put it as a comedy. I wouldn't say it's a comedy either, but I do laugh a lot when I watch it anyway. But I don't think there's do you, anyone. Have you that... ever seen how high Kevin Bacon wears his pants in that movie? It's hilarious. Anyway. Listen, I mean, Kevin Bacon, he can do no wrong ever. Um, but This is Spinal Tap is a mockumentary 
about a fictional rock band during the height of 80s hair pop metal. And what was really cool is that they actually recorded all of those songs. Right. So there's a soundtrack and it, they've all played their own instruments, which is a, a pretty monumental feat yeah. for a movie about all this to trust your actors to come up together with these songs. But I mean, this is Spinal Tap. I mean, how many classic moments are in this movie from this goes to 11? To- I mean, that is like the big one. That is a part of like the lexicon just of our culture and conversation. Everyone knows that. But not everyone knows where it's from. But like, I'm going to dial it up to 11. Everyone kind of knows what that means. Yeah, huge. Sorry. Yep. And getting lost in the back trying to find a stage. <laughs> that's an inside joke, I think, with all musicians everywhere. Like they all particularly love that bit because there's probably some like real grounded truth to that. Right. And another reason that makes it such a good hangout movie in the vein of not asking a lot of us, it's like 85 minutes, 84 minutes. It's so quick. And it's a lot of fun to go back and watch this. And this was kind of the first time we're seeing a lot of people who would grow to do really, really big things. Like Christopher Guest is an icon of comedy. And this is really the first time certainly American audiences saw him. And it's I can't think of a mockumentary before this. I think they could very well exist. But this was the one that definitely popularized that. And that's still going on today with I mean, look at the office, modern family that's still being used a ton in this was definitely one of the first, you know, instances of it. Very true. And it's one of those movies, too, that where you watch it with a bunch of people, everyone's having a good time. Yeah. Everyone's going to laugh. Everyone's going to have fun with these guys. And Christopher Guest is going to go on to become one of the most iconic comedic directors and performers. Uh, He doesn't ever give enough credit. No, he doesn't. And I think we were kind of talking about this while we were watching Spinal Tap yesterday is because he's such a chameleon. And within his acting, like he can change... You can watch this and then Best in Show back to back and not even know that's the same guy who's in both, let alone that he's directing Best in Show. But yeah, it's this Spinal Tap is just it's a great kind of classic hangout movie. And I just want to acknowledge before we go to our next one, although this is first on our list and we're going in chronological order, a a very clear kind of honorable mention that we wanted to toss out is American Graffiti. That might be like one of the starter hangout movies, 1973, George Lucas. It's not included for us because we are men of a certain age so a lot of these hangout movies are you know late 80s early 90s and that's just shout out to american graffiti that's all all right next on the list i love this movie so much 1989 directed by rowdy harrington the great the one and only roadhouse oh there's only a certain time where a movie like this can be made and appreciated and it has the ultimate man and patrick swayze the first time i saw this movie I just remember just thinking to myself, wait, can this happen? Can, can, <laughs> can all of this be in a movie? It defies all semblance of what should and shouldn't work. Right. In a comedy, in an action movie. I mean, even the the um, like the uh, the love scene between oh him God. and the girl is the funniest thing. And it goes on forever. It's so long. Oh it's my so God. long. Yeah. This is about a bar south of the Mason-Dixon line in Missouri um, that is getting a bunch of riffraff. And they hire a bouncer, Patrick Swayze, to come in and, you know, clear up all, all, all of this nonsense. And so, th- I mean, that's basically the plot. <laughs> kind of put it like right there. But where this movie goes is just, it's hilarious. It's awesome. It's also got some like, 
some tender moments, like yeah. the Sam Elliott bit. Right. But yeah, I, I think this is an ultimate hangout movie. It, it's just got something for everyone here. Yeah, and I love, I mean, Ben Gazzara has just a great, you know, he shows up as the heavy. It's it's a lot of fun. Completely outrageous movie. And like you were kind of struggling to like continue to describe the plot, but there's nothing to describe. There's nothing and to describe. Some of these movies are like that. Where these aren't like the most plot heavy movies. You don't necessarily, if you're hanging out where you don't want to, we're just not really talking about heavy stuff today. And that's okay. We wanted to do something fun. We talk about heavy stuff a lot on this damn podcast. So we're going to have a fun one. And I don't even know how to sell this in a way that people are going to believe me, but I did not realize that our next movie, that they have the same star. But obviously, the next one, which is to me like the ultimate king of the Hangout movie, is Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow, 1991, starring the great Patrick Swayze and, of course, Keanu Reeves. And I was just on Ryan McNeil's The Matinee Cast, and I I managed to bring this movie up somehow. We were talking about The Father, and somehow I managed to bring Point Break into the conversation. (laughs) Um, I love this movie. I think this is really one of the premier action movies that takes itself seriously but also knows how to have fun and the plot is of course uh, silly like when when it comes down to it of he knows but he's not saying anything of course it's ridiculous but the construction of some of the action sequences of this movie remain phenomenal when he is foot chasing after the bank robbery knowing how big the cameras were back then and how heavy it's really thrilling to still watch and Catherine Bigelow is one of the all-time great action directors to me And I was impressed with the movie back then. I remain impressed with it now, really on a film level. And then just to go another layer under, I just think it's one of the most fun movies ever made. It's such a 90s movie. Mm -hmm. It can only work in that period of time where people were like that. Like the the rhythm of the language, uh, what was popular, the hairstyles. I mean, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is in that little bit section, which he's got... One of the best on-camera sca- on screams I've ever seen. Well, do you know the story of him in that movie? No. Because I know you're a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. So the story of that is they Red Hot Chili Peppers are kind of like coming up. They're in the height of it. And I don't want to call anyone out, but I think Anthony Kiedis was deep into his his substances. Right. So he did not show up for like rehearsals for that fight or he just he wasn't showing up. He was cast, but he wasn't showing up. Catherine Bigelow said, like, if you keep not showing up i'm not going to give you stuff to do so he's the first taken out of that scene like the first punched out because he didn't show up so his like kind of punishment was you know bigelow's punishment to it was all right we're going to take you out early and then you're just going to scream so anyway i love that i love that (laughs) that's perfect because this big line in the movie too is that would be a waste of time probably a top five most quotable movie for me i know that you know i know it by heart just back off war child seriously every oh my god it's a great Great hangout movie that you can put on anytime. But I, I want to hear, I think Point Break has come up a few times on the pod and I usually dominate the conversation. So I don't know. What was your like first experience with this movie? My, How young were you? My first experience with this movie was with my aunt. And she and I would occasionally watch these movies together that um, were kind of in this vein. Like they were kind of like, not surfer movies, because there's not so many surfer movies, but like just kind of 90s action flicks. And um, but we just loved watching this thing. And at that time, my uncle, my mom and my aunt, they were all kind of living in that lifestyle of people like that, whether they were metalheads, the fashions, the music, all of that stuff. So they were right in the midst of that. And so I kind of got to live vicariously through them, which is why 
I think the 90s are one of my all-time favorite eras for all of those things. So we would watch this movie, and I remember I would always want to rewind the um, skydiving scene. Oh, man. Just because I thought it was the coolest thing. So cool. And I'm terrified of flying, so I think skydiving for me would probably be like my biggest face of fear. Right. But watching them do all of that and the fun that they're having... And when Keanu Reeves is in the air, he goes, this is fucking awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like you feel that watching right. it. You you can feel what that energy must be like. It feels like the adrenaline rush of it. The music is fantastic. And watching it now that, you know, I'm older and I know kind of the tricks of filmmaking, I, you can see like, okay, they were clearly Swayze and Keanu Reeves they were like shooting under they were just probably in some back lot and that's easy and of course you cannot free fall for that long like that's it's like a five minute long scene but it doesn't matter it just pulls you in and both of them they're so fun both of those scenes ah I love them adios amigo he just jumps right out ah I love it after he meets Keanu meets Lori Petty and he just gets taken out by the surfing waves and she basically like stay away from here and he goes but I'm Johnny Utah (laughs) name's Johnny Utah she goes who cares? Yeah. Keanu's just one of those guys, man. He, he's he's the king of the 90s in so many ways. And he had so many great action roles like this. And, and, and this has got to be like, how is this rank on your Keanu list? Well, we've talked about this. There's like intelligent Keanu performances, mm-hmm. which he's clearly trying to do something different. And then the action Keanu. And this, what, this will always be my go-to. It'll always be my favorite. I don't know if it's like his best performance in an action movie, but Johnny Utah will... It, It'll just, with all due respect to Neo, to John Wick, to anything, I love Johnny Utah. He's, I think it tapped into Keanu perfectly. And it did make him a star. I mean, he had been in a few things. This is the same year as my own private Idaho. That's, so that's more like serious Keanu, like we're talking about, which is a really good performance. He had been in some stuff, but this, I think, really made people believe that he can sell action you can sell you know whatever this now speed comes so it's a tough call but johnny utah is my favorite i love speed too i don't know man it, it, I, I love keanu reeves so much and he's a very controversial actor because everyone talks about him not being a good one or they just think he's bad like like every keanu reeves conversation someone will jump in with that mm-hmm. and in the acting circles like he is often um, sometimes made fun of, but I really have to challenge that whole entire argument because whether or not it's good or bad, it doesn't matter because it always works. I when agree. does it not work? He's always making it work and he's always memorable. So what else do you want yeah. in a movie star? I think as he's gotten older, he's become very good at identifying what he means to audiences. So he can pop up in that crazy Netflix thing that you showed me what was that called again always be my maybe right exactly or that he could do john wick he does neon demon where he's really villainous and that and i think it kind of took him a while to fall into that as a lot of movie stars they have career dips calling keanu reeves a bad actor is just it that, that means nothing to me it's just so fruitless because i think he's very aware of his strengths and his weaknesses as, as an actor i do not think keanu reeves has ever asked an audience to look at me and nominate me for an Oscar for this performance. He's not asking that of us, so why are we putting that pressure on him? I think he's incredibly entertaining and has been since 91. I think he's a -a one-of-a-kind talent. He will always just be Keanu fucking Reeves. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad we went on that little tangent. He deserves it. Amen. We love you, Keanu. 
Next, we have our first official double feature of the list. We're going to have two. And that is because this these two movies are from the same director and we had to give we had to talk about both, but we also wanted to make room for a few other movies. So we are going to collectively talk about Dazed and Confused, directed by Richard Linklater, and Everybody Wants Some, directed by Richard Linklater. Dazed comes out in 93. Everybody Wants Some is 2016. There's a lot of space there. It's hard to have the Everybody Wants Some conversation because if we were talking, so Everybody Wants Some is five years ago. Okay, so if we're having this conversation in like 97 or 98 about Dazed and Confused, it's still not as popular as it is today. It hasn't really caught on yet. Time will tell if that happens. Everybody wants some. It deserves it. It is baffling to me that it's never caught on well. It is a crazy good hangout movie. Days and Confused. I mean, what do we? What more do we need to say about that? Almost so many people in it went on to become major stars. It's hilarious. It's when you type into Google like top ten hangout movies or something, this is going to be in the top three of almost every single list. Days, but I love both of these movies so much and. If there is a hangout movie director, it's got to be Richard Linklater, because I would argue even like before Sunrise and before Sunset are kind of hangout movies in a way. I was going to say, all of his movies are hangout movies yeah. for the most part. Right, right. I, I mean, I think that's just kind of, that's how he sees life. Mm-hmm. Like his movies are always an expression of some type of existentialism, of youth, of love, like all of those themes that, you know, are always the themes, but the way that he presents those ideas to the audience is always in a human fashion to where we can understand. Yeah. You've got all these people that you can be like, I know that guy. I know that girl. I went to school with someone like that. Right. I used to hang out. I used to be that guy. Right. Exactly. And that's what like everybody wants some to me as I think people who follow this podcast know is because I love that movie so much. That is my all time favorite hangout movie. Mm -hmm. I look at different areas in my life and I'm like, that's totally college. That's me living with six other dudes in Los Angeles in the same apartment I know exactly what that is. And I have always hung out with people to show everybody wants some. Right. And everyone has a good time with it. And it's also very poignant. Richard Linklater is a very poignant guy. So all of the, even Days and Confused, like life lessons are being learned and you're going to walk away from these movies having a great time, but also taking in life. Yeah. We've said it time and again on this podcast and certainly to our friends, everybody wants some. The... How concise and succinct and impactful that writing is. It just in character development, all of those guys and some of the women they start seeing are specified so well in a three-day times period. That's how many, that's how much time that movie covers. It really is a thing of wonder, especially that none of the actors at the time were very well known. So it's not like we're watching, just like Dazed and Confused. When people watch that, they weren't like, wow, that's Ben Affleck. They're like, who's the asshole with the paddle? So it doesn't, but yeah, he's very good at sneaking in food for thought. Yeah, they're thinking about very real decisions for people at that time. That stuff is important. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to sign this letter? And on and on. So the next one was purely my choice. And I think at first you were maybe a little like taken back. Uh, Really that one? So I put it on yesterday for us and we immediately fell into the spell of From Dusk Till Dawn, made in 1996 Directed by Robert Rodriguez, written by Quentin Tarantino. They had become fast friends. They met on the festival circuit making QT made Reservoir Dogs. Rodriguez had done El Mariachi, and then they do Pulp and Desperado. So this is their first like official collaboration. And this is this movie has in terms of hangout vibes, it's hilarious. 
It has moments of like genuine terror. You know, we were watching yesterday in the scene of in the hotel room. Those flash cuts are really, really upsetting. And and then the next scene, we're like laughing our ass off. And it's yeah, it's really crazy. And this movie actually did teach me a few things. I saw it very young when it came out and it plays with perspective and point of view uh, specifically in the way Tarantino's character views Juliette Lewis. I'm not going to repeat the stuff, but this movie taught me a lot. And I think it's cool when a hangout movie can teach you something. No, I, you got to talk about it. You got to be specific. Okay, well, because okay, it, it, well, this, is, this is a great because we talked about this mm-hmm. and when we were watching it and we were talking about how we were blown away that movies don't you don't see this too much right now and how clear it was in Everything that we gathered from this. So I think going into the specifics is going to be a great thing to talk about. Okay, so this this is not like a hangout aspect of the movie. And I'm not going to, I'll, you know, I'm not going to say the full quote. But Tarantino's character in it is a homicidal rapist. He's just a maniac. And that is made very clear. So, you know, he's a character who kind of, he doesn't seem, he's not the brightest. He spaces out a lot. And sh- very shortly after he meets Juliette Lewis, who him and his brother, George Clooney, are kidnapping. They're going to kidnap her, her dad, Harvey Geitel, and her brother, Ernest Liu, and they're going to use them as a way to get into Mexico. And when they're standing there kind of gathering their supplies to leave the hotel room, Juliette Lewis, who is terrified, and I think she's just come from the pool, so she's in a bikini or something, and she's shivering in the corner and terrified. She's standing right next to Tarantino's character, and suddenly the camera like cuts to her, very, very deep focus in the background, and she looks directly into the camera, and we are in Tarantino's point of view. And she says, hi, Richie, would you do me a favor and please lick my beat for me? And then it cuts back to the, the master perspective and you see her still trembling. So that didn't happen, but that did happen in Tarantino's mind. And having that insight into this is how this sick fuck views the world. Like he actually probably thinks that just happened, that she just said that. And for a, a very intentional kind of exploitation movie, this movie is certainly not asking a lot of anyone That seeing that at age 10 or 11, I knew right away, like, oh, my God, I never knew you were allowed to enter a character's point of view, a secondary character, because he's I mean, he's like the fourth, fifth lead in the movie. I did not know you were allowed to enter a point of view like that and then punch out. And we see this all the time now. Uh, Jennifer Conley stabbing that guy's hand with a fork in Requiem for a Dream. Like you see these flash things, but. That was the first time I saw it, and I it, it was just really effective. And even yesterday, it was really effective. It's super effective, and, and because Quentin Tarantino's character talks about, no, this is what happened. She did this. Mm-hmm. She did this. So it opens up when you see th- that execution where you're like, oh, wow, like he actually thinks that that happened. Right. So it's not you're not getting sympathy necessarily for the character, but you are getting a different perspective of him to where you can see what George Clooney is ultimately dealing with with this brother. Yeah. Like he's having to hold everything together. He doesn't understand why he's behaving like this. There's so much cool filmmaking aspects that go on with Robert Rodriguez throughout this whole entire movie. But to bring it back to the hangout, it is. But I've, I felt like we had to talk about that because that's just a it was a great thing to discuss together. And yeah. to point that on the podcast that was important. This is not like a serious movie. If anyone hasn't seen this, this is not serious, but it has Rodriguez, especially back then, was so good at using practicality and not having the budget for special effects. So using like makeup or just really cool in-camera tricks to do that. He plays very, very carefully with the sound design in that movie. So, yeah, but it it's a really fun hangout movie. Come on, Sex Machine. All right. Next one. Same year, 1996. And 
I mean, if we're here talking about bro movies and movies that we connected with shortly after we met, we're going to go Doug Lyman's first film, Swingers. I mean, this movie is, it is so LA. We've talked about it on this podcast. It is so specific to Los Feliz in LA, a neighborhood we both have lived in. And, you know, this was May 96. And it's so cool that a lot of these places, ugh, pre-COVID, who knows what's going to happen when everything reopens, but like the Dresden's still there and they, those musicians still play there. And I rewatched this one when I was, it was actually in, I was in a hotel and it was on the hotel gym and I kind of, <laughs> it was the length of my workout. So it was great. I was the only one at the gym watching it. And like, man, I, I was getting distracted a lot, just, you know, watching it and having fun. And I think that's also a really important movie for people to watch if you are going to be like an emerging filmmaker, because they had no money and they, you know, stole a lot of the shots. But yeah, I, I think Swingers, you can't really argue against its hangout ability. Vegas. Yeah, it Vegas, started. Baby. Yeah, started Vegas, baby Vegas. That was the first use of that. Um, you're so money. Huge, iconic stuff in it. Well, and so much of these movies that we're kind of going through, there's so much of an aspect of friendship that's involved with these mm-hmm. hangout movies. Whether it's a giant group of them in something like Days and Confused or Everybody Wants Some, Point Break is ultimately a movie about friendship. Yeah. And this is about friendship in a new city, being young and going through the trials and tribulations that young people go through, especially specifically when you're talking about actors in Los Angeles. And I thought Swingers was just a very, very honest portrayal of friends just trying to live. Yeah. Just trying to make it through like we're all trying to. And, you know, if you live in that town for this town, rather, for even a little bit, you talk about like character tropes. You meet those people like you meet those guys who are just so excited that they tried out for Goofy or, you know, maybe they're not excited. You got to like build them up like, hey, part of that movie I really like when I was rewatching it was the confrontation outside the Dresden when they bump into the other guys and then Sue ends up pulling the gun And then when Sue is calling John Favreau out, like, well, you know, you don't you're still obsessed over this girl. And, you know, he gets he's hurting his feelings. Vince Vaughn really stands up for John Favreau in that moment. It starts pushing Sue. And that's the only time you see Vince Vaughn like get kind of riled up. And I even remember the commentary for that movie that they they really felt that was important, that he be a good friend to him. And I think that's where the heart of that movie lies. It's like, yeah, I really do. Or Ron Livingston coming over with the sausage, which, uh, yeah, I've always really liked those moments. It's kind of like we're talking about with Linklater, like, you know, learning a little bit about life amongst a hangout film. So our second double feature, we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. It's Mr. Tarantino, arguably tied or next to or above Linklater as a great hangout movie aficionado. For my vote, he's made two that are amazing hangout films, and that is Jackie Brown and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latter of which we've talked about a lot on the pod. But I really think Jackie Brown is just a fun movie to kind of put on, have in the background. If you're doing stuff with your friends, you know, you can come back to it. It's not inherently violent like a lot of his other movies. So its reputation has grown so well because as a follow up to Pulp in 97, I turned this movie off the first time I watched it when I was young. So like in 98, I, I was I went. I don't have the slightest fucking clue what's going on. I don't like test run of this robbery and that and then for real this time. Like, what is this? And then it never went away in my head, rewatched it. And now it still ranks very highly among his body of work to me. And yeah, it's a very it's. I'm actually just realizing this in the moment. I think these are by far his two most mature films as well. So that's interesting that we can kind of hang out to him. But I, I really wanted it would have been easy to just talk about Hollywood, but I really wanted to give a little love to Jackie Brown because. In terms of like 
sitting around. It's so funny to see Robert De Niro playing a stoner. Like I've just always gotten such a big kick out of that. And Bridget Fonda, one of her like last roles, I think she's perfect in it. Robert Forster, perfect. I love that movie. My favorite Samuel L. Jackson performance. Anyway, that's Jackie Brown. Let's jump to Hollywood real quick because he very clearly to me wanted to have this space to make kind of an ultimate hangout movie because there is a large portion of this film where we are literally watching a TV screen and hearing two characters just like commentate what's, oh, that's a nice jump. You know, he's, he's an asshole. And you're just sitting there hanging out with Dalton and Cliff Booth. And somehow those are some of the best scenes of the movie. And it, they're so natural. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just, it's an ultimate hangout movie. You and I have, um, I should have gone through as we were going and said which ones we've seen together. Maybe all of them. I don't think Roadhouse, but we've no. seen a lot of these together. We've seen this one together multiple times, at least three to my count. And it's just. And it's the ultimate hangout movie when I would go to theaters. And I, I went to the New Beverly, which is the theater that Quentin Tarantino owns. And that movie would play every single weekend well beyond its release. The, the host, the guy that would come up and introduce the movie, would always ask, who's here to see this movie for the very first time? And like one or two people would raise their hands. How many people here have seen this more than five times? Everyone would raise their hands up. And I think that's because this movie just has this special... And some people don't connect with it, and which is totally fine. But the people that do, I think the commonality is that you just love all of these people. You yeah. love spending time. You love spending the day mm -hmm. with Rick, with Cliff, with Sharon, and all these other little side characters that are there. Like, there's just so much joy. And I know I, that's nothing new that I've said, but that hangout aspect of just chilling in a day with the music and everything like that, there's just nothing about that movie that isn't just... I'm going to sit back, have a cognac, <laughs> and watch the 14 fifths of McCluskey. What a picture. What a picture. My, my thing that I was going to actually bring up was what you talked about, was them watching TV. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I've never seen a movie where they've shown two people just watching the yeah, screen. Right. And because that's how we watch it and yeah. the comments we make. I've exactly. never seen that depicted that yeah. way. So it, simple. It is. It's so simple. And it gives you so much insight into how well these guys know each other. And the roles they play in each other's lives. Yeah. And I, I didn't see this movie as many times as you in the theater, but I did see it a number of times. And the last time I saw it was the last time I was in L.A. for um, your birthday, 2019. So it had been out for a few months. But again, it was playing at the New Beverly. And we went and I didn't. That was the time I laughed the most with the movie because everyone was just enjoying every word. And that is the audience to see a Tarantino movie with you're in the theater he owns. So people are coming to get all the tiny little references. And the, the payoff of seeing it in there was, ah, oh, it was great. It was so great. All right, what's next for us? I have never met a single person that doesn't like this movie. 1998, The Coen Bros, The Big Lebowski. Well, actually, just to interrupt real quick, I am seldom to meet someone who loved this movie on first viewing. Because I certainly didn't. I did not get it at all. I didn't. But I was maybe I was too young. But really, it took me a few viewings to fall into this one and to get that not everything has to land. It doesn't have to have like because it seems like such a plot heavy movie, but it's just not. It's like an aimless hangout movie. Anyway, I mean, it's true. I mean, the plot is the driving force of everything that is going on, but it, it ultimately is all based in a giant misunderstanding about nothing. Exactly. And, and when you're watching the dude and the people that are in his life try to follow this plot that we're given, 
it's that's kind of masterful like oh, that's yeah. a, that's a very very cool i never actually thought about that like i've thought about that about burn after reading like i, I think those two movies are a perfect coen brothers double feature i think kind of the way burning after reading lands and with you know with jk simmons like well so we're done okay that's it and they close the file and it's done yeah a good double feature there is this your homework larry larry <laughs> is this your homework have you and ever heard of vietnam i just just to me is just like one of the best scenes I've ever seen. But I think about where that goes back to in the writing. Mm -hmm. If you're the Coens and you're writing it, do you know it's going to come out that good? Well, and the Coens do not allow for variation in their scripts. Mm -hmm. They write ums, they write pauses, and you have to honor every single one of them. And if you don't, you have to have a very, very long, thoughtful conversation about it. Uh, and everyone talks about this. Like, that. that's the way it goes. So when you're writing that, how do you know that that's going to land? How yeah. do you, and well, here's another thing. This movie did not land. This movie did not make money. It was not critically appreciated. It has since gained, obviously, a massive cult following. But that's what you have to love about them is that they make a lot of movies. This was between Fargo and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's three completely tonally different movies. But they really don't apologize for what they do. Never. And I've always appreciated that. But as a 12, 13-year-old, I didn't really get what this movie was putting out. And I didn't get the inherent comedy of, say, what Philip Seymour Hoffman is doing. Oh. And the <laughs> that or just how dramatically he's opening the door, how funny that is and how he's at this guy's just beck and call. And then in the limo, how serious he is. We're very concerned, dude. There's just a whole clinic of comedy in that. God, I fucking uh, miss him. He's a giant. It's, yeah. A giant I mean, in the acting world. What were we watching yesterday with him? Oh, I, oh uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah, we just had Moneyball on in the hotel yesterday, which we were kind of hanging out to. But yeah, he, I mean... And I also didn't appreciate, which I really appreciate now, seeing a really cool cameo, even the way they shot the Ben Gazzara stuff. You know, I'm Jackie Treehorn. That is a lot of fun for movie fans that now that I'm more of a movie fan, I appreciate. Great comedy. And it's, but it's, just, it's just really, really great filmmaking. Our next movie, premiere hangout movie, no introduction needed. It's Ocean's Eleven, directed by Steven Soderbergh. I can make a good argument for all three of them. I The second one is my favorite. Ocean 12 is one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. Honestly, I love that. It's much more of a kind of European artsy intellectual movie than the first one. But the first one is, it has so much to latch onto. Every line of dialogue is, it's a throwaway funny line. And there's so much in it. Those characters were very specifically thought out and designed. And I've heard Soderbergh, you know, he's one of my gods. So I've heard him talk about this movie a lot, and I cannot impart on people how difficult it would be to put 11 actors in a room and cover all of them in a scene economically to where you're not there for like five days filming it. And he does that over and over and over. And if it seems like it's easy and if it seems like it cuts together well, that's because that guy is a genius because the hardest scene I have ever shot in my life was a four person conversation at dinner. It gave me anxiety, panic attacks, because how do you do that in a way that's new? And he does that so many times. And it's just one of many reasons why I'm so impressed with him. But yeah, we had this one on yesterday, too. And you just you can't go wrong with Ocean's Eleven. I mean, come on. Yeah, I love that you told that story. That's really cool. But this one is got to be one of the coolest movies ever yeah, made. Yeah, it's so cool. Everything about it. The style from Dust Till Dawn is cool. Yeah. Um, and even with Clooney. Clooney is just cool. The feeling of Vegas, the feeling of how smooth this needs to go. These guys are all pulling it off, but we're still on that thread of tension of are they going to pull this off or not? And we go on that ride with, you know, it's tough to kind of 
think about guys who are so confident in what they're doing and then for the audience still to be concerned about are we is this going to work for them are they going to pull this off right to go on that ride with these guys who are just so fun (laughs) and again so impressive that Soderbergh shot that movie himself so all of those the flow of the style has a lot to do with his compositions the way he moves the camera what's really interesting is that that was 2001 all the movies we just described were in a pretty tight period of time and now we're going to jump ahead a few years and this was one that you really wanted to kind of own as your as a fun hangout movie for you so take it away yeah this is one of my all-time favorite hangout movies um the night before 2015 directed by Jonathan Levine uh stars Seth Rogen Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh Anthony Mackie these three childhood best friends they go out for one last the Christmas bash on the town and um and they're letting go of a tradition that they've had for a long time not everyone feels good about this mm-hmm. but in the midst of this crazy christmas night hilarity ensues it's got to be one of the my favorite depictions of friendship in turmoil because people have outgrown each other but at the end of the day they're still got each other's back right I love that about the movie. I love that there were those levels that it could go. And um, and it's got to be an all-timer Seth Rogen performance. Oh, yeah. The man does all kinds of drugs. And <laughs> they are just the funniest like depictions of someone who's on these drugs. Because you know Seth Rogen. Well, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> one might wonder if he probably didn't have to do a lot of research to tap exactly. into that. I, I, would, I would just speculate. Just, you know, speculation. And, I, and so I just encourage you to see it just even for that. But then also... Michael Shannon. Oh, my God. What an unbelievable performance in this side character deal that is just it's out of this world. Good. Completely worth the movie alone. Watching it. It, Mm -hmm. it, Even if you don't like anything else about the movie, the time with him on screen will be worth it in the way that he plays it. I mean, that that is an actor full of choices that should not work. And they do. And you're like. There he is. He's our Christopher Walken. He's this generation's Christopher Walken. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, and in my opinion, and I think he, I think he has a very specific tone. I think he is very, very aware of what he's doing and very good at making it seem like he's not aware in interviews and everything. I think he just has this kind of like, hey, you know, go with the flow. But I think he works really hard at what he does, and he's hilarious in the movie. Hilarious, playing it totally straight. So that was it. Our top 10 hangout movies, a little more than 10 because we had a few cheats with double features. We stand by all these movies. We love watching them, hanging out with them. We would, of course, love to hear which ones you love. What do you love hanging out to? What do you love to put on with your friends? As always, let us know that on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. We, again, would love to hear them. And I'm always looking for good hangout movies. So maybe there's ones we haven't seen and that would be great to kind of check those out but let's move on to what are you watching what are we going to recommend to the folks all right mine for what are you watching is going to go to 2010's mcgruber i fucking love mcgruber oh my <laughs> god i love the movie with all my heart it's not for everyone but for the ones that like it we, we all know i saw it in theaters and one funny thing about that too is i saw it with a friend of mine and no one else was in theater except for this one other dude who sat right next to me what? Yeah, like the whole entire theater. What's happened to me before? That's that's weird. As shit, so man. weird. Or when it's a when you're alone and someone comes and sits right behind you. So strange. But I was laughing so hard that I must have annoyed the shit out of him because <laughs> I literally at one point fell out of my chair laughing because of the classic sex scene <laughs> with Kristen Wiig, which 
I actually found out, speaking of a Hangout movie, one of the last things I did before the pandemic hit was Will Forte uh, did a live commentary mm-hmm. of MacGruber in this giant like room with all these fans of the movie. He actually found that it was better just to sit and watch the movie instead of comment uh, do any type of commentary because everyone was just having so much fun with the right. movie. But he did point out that uh, during the sex scene that that was Kristen Wiig's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like when they filmed it? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Poor lady. That must have been a hell of a time. Ew, oh, man. But yeah, MacGruber. Awesome, awesome movie. Awesome hangout movie. That's perfect for you because you actually showed me that movie. You like insisted that I watch it. And I went, oh, okay. I think that's another one that didn't do well at the time, but as there is an absolute cult following for that. And yeah. People who ride for it, ride for it pretty hard. Mine is also a newer comedy that, which I don't find myself latching onto a lot, but this is 2018's Game Night. I love everything about this movie, directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. I think the first like 45 minutes, this, I love it all, but the first 45 moves so quick and Jesse Plemons is just on another level in it. His every choice he makes is so damn funny. And this is a rare new comedy that I like bought on Blu-ray. I find myself putting it on many Friday nights and just <laughs> hanging out with it. I think it's a lot of fun and I love it. We kind of share. We have this weird personal story connection to it. Um, why don't you tell it? Because I think it's really funny. So, so everyone who might not know, Alex Withrow, ladies and gentlemen, only dresses in black. <laughs> it's um is something that I I I I loved when we first met, but like I'm we've hung out like a couple times and I'm kind of thinking to myself, man, this guy's only in black. He's always black t-shirt, black jeans, black shoes. <laughs> and when we were hanging out, we were taking an Uber once and I go, so I gotta ask, man, what's with the black? And you were like, that's it. That's all I wear. Always black, always. And I just was like, that's fucking awesome. I love it. <laughs> and so uh, a buddy of mine and I go to see Game Night, who also knows Alex, and we finally get to Michael C. Hall's character, who is literally dressed head to toe in exactly what Alex would wear. And he's even got the same posture as Alex, and there's certain mannerisms and like tonalities that Michael C. Hall does that I, that we were just sort of like, did he just rip off alex <laughs> <laughs> which one of you is brooks davis yeah i i don't i can't remember if i had i don't think i'd seen it first or if i had i just remember when you told me that i didn't really see it and now i laugh my ass off every time he pops hilarious because he's not in it much but yeah i think i do have a lot in common with um a homicidal maniac who dresses in all black sure sure <laughs> no i'm kidding um two very fitting choices for both of us those those are great Put on game night. Put on your favorite hangout movie. Please let us know what your favorite hangout movies are at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast on Twitter. And as always, thanks for listening and happy watching. You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Next time, we're going to do something a little different, and I'm going to interview Nick about the films that inspired him to become a filmmaker. A little different, a little personal. Stay tuned. But uh, yeah, this movie is about 
a bar in um this is this is this is how prepared we are. I see. All right, I'll Rowdy's just... bar south of the Mason Dixon line, whatever the fuck that means. This is about a bar south Missouri. Of... Missouri. Okay. 